over the years it has been preached, taught in Sunday school, taught in worship service, concerning the man of sin, the Antichrist, the beast, the son of perdition, the one who will be revealed at the resurrection of the saints and the catching away or rapture of the church. He is a human being man just like I am. He was born of a woman and he breathes there and he eats and does everything every other human being does. And I am convinced that he is alive today somewhere just off the stage ready to be revealed when that great day comes. Now John tells us that there's not only one Antichrist or the one we refer to as the Antichrist, but in this 18th verse, he says, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. So we said there's more than one, not one that is the uh, preeminent one, but one, but many who follow in his shadow, if you will. Many that are forerunners of him before his revelation. Excuse me, Revelation. Even now, many antichrists have come. And take notice, he wrote this about 2,000 years ago. Now, again, in 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I would dare say from my experience and study, that there have never been as many unsound, wacky doctrines floating around. I'm talking about floating around the church as there are today. We are just awash in the wacky. It's, it's almost like there is a pursuit of something has to be new. We cannot be established on that which is tried and true. And just because we've known it for a long time, people don't think it's popular. So they got to come out with something that's new. Amen. I mean, something that's different, something that will capture folks' uh, imagination because it's something they've never heard before. Well, that's just bone stupid. Can I get an amen? I remember, I'm so old, I remember back in 1988, that guy wrote that book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Come Back 1988. I stood up and said, I don't know when the Lord's coming, but I don't think he's coming in 1988. And you know what? He didn't. And just along that vein, if you will, all kind of stuff. We, we got now folks, supposed to be Pentecostal tongue-talking people that believe in, in what's called the doctrine of inclusion. Everybody's saved. Ain't nobody going to hell. They have forsaken the word. They've been deceived. Verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So John reveals to us that the spirit of Antichrist was already in the world 2,000 years ago when this was written. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Amen. Reference this morning's message that I won't go back into. If we had all night, I would, praise God. Anyhow. You are of God, little children, have overcome him. And this is one of uh, a phrase uh, of a verse that we sing about, we shout about, we reference often, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Hallelujah. Amen. We have not been left powerless to suffer, but we have been made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Thank you, Jesus. Verse number five. They are of the world. 
Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So John reveals to us that the spirit of Antichrist has already come and is already at work in the world. Now I'm going somewhere tonight. Just hang in there with me. 2 John chapter 1, verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, we live in a day where the spirit of antichrist is running rampant in this world. Unfortunately, and re- I should say regrettably, we see it at work in our own country. All you have to do is turn on the news. They had that, that, that poor guy, and here's the sad part. That guy out in Oregon was a homosexual reporter that the Antifa folks, you know, beat up. And, and man, they messed him up. You've seen his face and his eye and all that. They wear these black clothes, you know, and the mask and all this. Man, they just beat. And, and the police just stood by and let it happen. You know, I mean, I, I'm not uh, an endorser of the man's lifestyle, but, you know, I don't think he should be beaten up in public without somebody, you know, going to jail for it at least. And we see many other expressions of hatred toward the Lord Jesus Christ himself. They're not mad at us, and this isn't a political issue. I don't address it as such because this thing left politics a long time ago. We ain't talking about politics. We're not talking about Democrats or Republicans. We're talking about people who hate Jesus Christ. Now, you would think that could be absolutely impossible in light of who Jesus Christ is, but they hate him with a, with a, a, a vengeance. And they hate those who believe in him, and that's us. And another word for them is the world. The spirit of Antichrist is the spirit of the world that John spoke of. And many times we take that scripture out of context, he who loves the world and the things of the world. Years ago I heard, and this is a Pentecostal minister's wife, I think they they, uh, were down in Florida, and she made the statement, I hope the Lord don't come back now because we've got everything we've always wanted. Who in the world would trade, I mean, who in their right mind would trade anything in this world for the kingdom of God? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I don't care what you've got. I don't care if you got it made, I'm happy you got it made. But there ain't nothing in this world to be compared to that which is to come. Amen. And we see this spirit of Antichrist at work and the hatred and the fierceness that is manifest in these folks who have been deceived by this spirit. They are just now, you know, and I'm I'm as Pentecostal as you can get, and, and believe me, over the years, you know, that, that old Pentecostal joke is tried and true, the riddle, if you will. How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? The answer is ten. One to change the bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. Now, I don't, you know, I've been around folks, there's a spirit for everything. If it's the flesh, it ain't the spirit, okay? Now, there are unclean spirits that promote uh, sins of the flesh, but we, we ascribe too much to the devil. Amen. It ain't him, it's the flesh. It ain't the any spirit of nothing. It's the flesh. We are overcome because we indulge the lust of the flesh. But that's a whole other message I don't have time to get into tonight. 
But we see that the spirit of Antichrist is at work in the world. It is at work in our nation. It divides. There is no room for compromise. It is their way or the highway. Folks who once knew better. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it. And professed faith in the word of God have now aligned themselves with positions contrary to plain scriptural teaching. It amazes me the number of Bible-believing churches who are now compromising on the issue of abortion. Well, you're not really a human being until you're born. Well, that's just stupid. Life begins at conceptions, beloved. When that egg is fertilized, it becomes a living soul, and it begins to develop. I was in conversation with a dear friend of mine, grew up right here in the county. He's got a college education. He's got a degree. But somewhere, the spirit of Ant, and he goes to church every week, faithful church member where he lived. But somehow this spirit of Antichrist has deceived him even in the house of God. And I'd like to have a real good talk with that man's pastor sometime. Oh, it, I said, yeah. I said, when, when you were... When that egg was, was fertilized, conception, that's when life begins at conception, son. And from there you develop. And then I reminded him that the gray hair, he's sporting now. And I ain't knocking folks gray hair. We got folks gray hair here tonight. Your gray hair is beautiful. I love you. Some of you had gray hair a long time. Looks good on you, still does. Amen. Brother Andy don't want to get hung after his message, all right? I ain't knocking gray hair. See, there's one, one, two, three, four, five. Anyway. I said, son, you didn't have gray hair when we were in high school. You've been developing ever since you were conceived. You were a human being before you were born. And you think, what has happened that these folks have parked their brain? God, what is it? It is the spirit of Antichrist at work in the world who will deceive those, listen, who will let him. Because it's an issue of convenience. A child is not an inconvenience. I'm going to give you a chance to get right with God right now. A child is not an inconvenience. There you go. I mean to drag everybody in this church to heaven, praise God. We all go, I'm going, I'm dragging every one of you with me. A child is not an inconvenience. These beautiful babies that we have, you know, and the little one right here, what have y'all done? Is she asleep? No, she's on the floor. Bless her little heart. She loves me. She gives me the look. Sometimes she hollers when I holler. And as beautiful as she is, she don't look the same she did the day she was born because she has developed. She's growing. Amen. I don't have the gray, the gray hair I have now. I didn't have when I was in high school. And Lord help me, I'm vain. Amen. Brother, you ain't vain. Oh, yeah, I am. How many of you have a photograph of your uh, woodwind section of your high school band when you was a senior in high school on your computer? I, I'll march you in there after service and show it to you. There I am on the top row beside a real a good saxophone section. I'm standing beside Larry Bumgarner. He plays tenor. I played alto. We're in uniform. I got that Shaco two fingers off my nose, and I'm grim. Because, man, I was serious about coming to band. That was my life. I, I was serious. 
But I don't look that way now. How many of you have a, 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 an album from high school? Oh, come on. There you go. How many of you still got some photographs that were made in the fourth grade? You don't look that way anymore. Amen. It's good to have Sister Monette with us tonight. You know what? About <laughs> when I first met Dorothy and went over to her house, there were all these photographs, eight by tens on this shelf. And I counted, and there was more than six. And I said, who's that? And I said, oh, that's Monette. And I said, okay. Sister Bolin had your photograph along her side, her sister's, as long as she was in that house, Sister Monette. She loved you dearly. I just kept going. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, that's Monette. Okay. But we've all changed, and we're all growing. And you would think that anybody with a, with a, with a brain cell could understand that. But the spirit of Antichrist is a deceiver. He deceives. And his greatest deception is convincing men and women that Jesus Christ has not come. And it is using every form of media to get this across. Y'all remember a few years back, they, they, they had the, uh, uh, the movie with, with Tom Hanks, and I forgot the name of it now, but the gist of it was this, that Jesus didn't die on the cross. He just swooned. And when he woke up, he ran off to France with Mary Magdalene. They had a family. And you would think something as ridiculous as that, nobody in their right mind surely would embrace that as truth, but they have. Anything to discredit the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, why is that, Brother Andy? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ convicts me of sin. The gospel of Jesus Christ identifies me as a sinner. The gospel of Jesus Christ also informs me that there is a day of judgment coming and those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life are going to be cast into a lake of fire where they are going to live forever and forever and forever. And the fire won't quit and the worm don't die. And that's why people really have an issue because the thing is now, I want to do what I want to do. If it feels good, I want to be at liberty to do it. And preacher, don't you tell me I can't do what I want to do. I ain't going to tell you nothing. I'm just going to read you the Word of God. You make up your own mind. Amen. He who does the will of God shall abide forever. What is going to happen to he who does not? I'm trying to scare folks into heaven tonight because I'm not in the fear business, but I am in the truth business. And we're dealing with a spirit that is convincing folks that it don't matter. Just live as you will. Believe what you want to believe. You know, and they've stolen the symbol of the rainbow, you know. It's all right. We're having an acceptance of a homosexual behavior and lifestyle literally pressed upon us. I've shared this with you the last few weeks. You can't watch a commercial on TV unless there are two men or two women involved and there is a suggestion of a homosexual relationship and it is presented to us as normal and acceptable. It ain't. Now, you, get, you know, people get mad at me. It's all right. I didn't write the book. Holy Ghost wrote the book. When the Word of God says an abomination, I just read it again in Romans chapter 1. When the Spirit of God says it is an abomination, it's an abomination. 
Amen. What is an abomination? When the, you read that word abomination in the Bible, it is the strongest expression of God's displeasure. Sister Stover, <laughs> we hadn't been in this building too long. Brother Paul Stover and Sister Stover were with us on a Sunday, and I was teaching Sunday school up behind the pulpit, and, and something along that line, the word came up and, got, and bless her heart. She said, Brother Hutchins. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what does the word abomination mean? And I got tickled. I thought, sis, you, you already forgot more about this than I'm ever going to know. And you know what the word abomination means. I mean, I didn't say that, but I thought it. And I just grinned at her. She grinned at me. And I almost got tickled. I said, it is the strongest expression of God's displeasure, Sister Stover. Like, you don't know that. She just smiled because she knew what she'd done to me. It is the strongest expression of God's displeasure. Don't look for anyone who the Bible declares as an abomination in the kingdom of heaven because they ain't going to be there. And there is an anger that is stirred in men and women who've been deceived by the spirit of Antichrist because we are reigning on their parade. And as long as we are here, we're reigning on their parade. They hate our guts, it, not to be taken personally, but positionally, because those of us who remain who say that the Bible is in fact the Word of God and the final authority for everything that has to do with man and this universe, that Bible is the Word of God. I am who the Bible says I am. That's why I rejoiced in the message this morning. When I was on that, you know, and I'm not going to go into that whole story this morning, but it's, it's on uh, Facebook, and I'm sure it's on the, uh, the website. And if you didn't hear it, I, you know, I, I'm not proud of my preaching. I'm just telling you God's in this house this morning. Praise the Lord. To be deceived by that spirit. Be angry. Because those of us who are left, you still believe that the Bible is the Word of God. It rains on their parade. I can do what I want to. I am not accountable to anybody when that Bible preaches accountability. Nobody wants to take personal responsibility. You ever been around somebody that blames somebody else? Well, I knew old so-and-so, and they claim to be a Christian, but they robbed a bank or whatever they done. I got news for you, folks. When you stand before God, ain't nobody else going to stand there with you. You will give an account for your own life and not for anybody else's. Amen. You know, the thing is, though, with every person I've ever met that I've had that discussion with, and they tried to blame all their junk on somebody else, there's always been one person in their life that lived it. Now, old brother so-and-so, old sister so-and-so, they lived it. I watched them, and they lived it. You know, God always, the Lord will, will, will open up a door. He will make a way for you to be in the presence of somebody who is living this thing. So that when everything is said and done, we are without excuse. So we go from uh, um, the, the, the moral issues to the more political issues. Who in this house wants to live in the United States of socialism? And now, I, and like I said, I'm, I'm pulling this. This ain't political. This ain't Democrat, Republican. This is socialism, you know. Margaret Thatcher made a great point. She said, you know, socialism is great until you run out of other people's money. This nation was not built on principles of communism, Karl Marx, or Lenin. This country was built on principles of the Word of God. 
You know what the Word of God teaches? Free enterprise and personal ownership. Amen. The word just to break this thing down, the word of God teaches that we help the church, we help those who cannot help themselves. Get ready, we're gonna have a real spiritual moment here, and everybody else works. So Sharon got that. Praise God. Works. You know, I don't have an issue at all with helping people who need help. I got real issues helping folks who could work. You can't find a job in this economy. You ain't looking. Used to, you didn't find a help wanted in the Somerville News. Now, seat up with them. They're begging for help. Amen. Now, I'm not saying just get on for I'm just saying that's the world that we live in now. It is like an entitlement. And you hear all these politicians, and, and they are reaching out. You know, if you elect me, then you'll get all this stuff for free. That's a lie. That ain't going to happen. It only happens in a free enterprise economy that is based on the Scripture. You will not covet that which belongs to your neighbor. It is your neighbor's property. He or she owns it. It is theirs. Amen. And we see these ideas that are being forcibly imposed upon us. And this election coming up is, you know, and I don't make too much a big deal. It's a pretty important election, you know. I mean, I don't feel the burn. I, I got asbestos on me somewhere, because some of y'all got that, because I do not feel the burn. You know, this this old guy, and yes, we need to do this. And the guy's a millionaire. He sold a book, and then he got you you're chastising me for making money for selling a book. Yes, I am, you socialist, old whatever you are. Why didn't you give all that money away? Why didn't you, you know, get up on the Sears Tower in Chicago and say, I'm going to dump all this money out. Y'all come get it. He ain't. Neither are the rest of them. You will find that the reality in socialist countries are that a very few handful have got all the money and everybody else is struggling. Why do you think people are, are coming in droves over the border in Mexico? Why do you think they're trying to get in this country? We hear all this junk. Well, these concent concentration camps, baloney. That's the first time I've ever seen anybody climb over Constantina wire to get into a concentration camp. Come on. Why do they want here? Because here works. Why does here work? Because here was based upon the Word of God. And we are blessed. Our only problem is we better wake up because we're sleeping Zion. We think everything's just going to rock on. It ain't going to rock on. Things are going to change. And when they change, you're going to change quickly in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That son of perdition will be revealed, the Antichrist, the one who will sacrifice the tenth red heifer in the temple. He'll make a peace treaty with Israel. He will violate it. Israel will realize they have been deceived, and events will begin to pick up toward the end of the tribulation period. What's the good news for the child of God? We ain't going. You know, one of the reasons you know, they hate us because we ain't going to be here. Amen. Oh, no, well, then the tribulation, I mean, the rapture of the church won't take place until the middle of the tribulation or the end of the tribulation. If that was the truth, I could tell you the moment when the rapture is going to take place. Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. In a moment, he, he said, you, he said, there are two in the field, one's going to be taken, one's going to be left. He said, you watch. You keep your eyes on the prize. 
You lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh. You don't know the day or time. We don't. We got two heifers that are cooking right now over in Israel. They may be, they may not be, but they ain't going to forget the coming of the Lord. Yeah, hallelujah. And see, the thing about us that that world hates is the fact that we don't love that world. Everything that world offers is temporary. It'll rot. I'll use my favorite illustration. It has to do with my own family. My dad bought a brand new Oldsmobile Cutlass in 1976, and when it rolled off the truck at Jackson Chevrolet, it was the sharpest car in Chattooga County. And the last time I saw it, it was on the back of a record going off to be smashed because it just wasn't the car it was that day it rolled off the trailer. What happened to age had affected it. Everything that world offers is temporary. What if you had all the money? Hey, it'd be great to have all the money for a little while, but then you know what? You're going to die. Leave it to somebody else. Well, you know, if, if, if we just have medical advancements and you, and you read this stuff, oh, man, people be living 200, 300 years. I don't want to live no 200, 300 years. You think I want to live in this for 200 years? When that is waiting, we sing that song. Heaven is waiting, waiting over yonder. We sing it, but do we think about it? If we were to think about the message of that song, we would be rejoicing and praising God. Hallelujah. Because as sure as we are born and we're headed toward that time when we're going to pass away, the promise of the Lord is, I'll come snatch you out of here and give you a glorified body that will never pass away. Brother, well, you talk about that a lot, don't you? A glorified, yes, I do. Because I'm living in an unglorified body right now. I take too many pills, and I, after I was in the hospital at Christmas, I got to take him shots. I stick myself four or five times a day, and that's a bummer. Amen, brother. You shout with me. I love that, baby. See, look, I shouted with him, Mom. He ain't shouting. I ain't either now. Yeah, glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> I love these children. Amen. I mean, that's my, my purpose. I'm the dog. I'll watch the gate. You mess with these, you're messing with the dog. I'm sweet. <laughs> you can pet me. You mess with these babies, I'm going to bare my teeth, and I'll sink them in you if that's what it takes. But these precious children are a treasure given to us by the Lord and our responsibility. That's right, bud. You're exactly right. So let me press on here before the sun goes down. Why is this? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. But know this, in the last days perilous times will come. And if this does not describe our present situation, nothing does. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. There has never been a time when blasphemy has reached such a peak as it has now. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Am I hitting any buttons here? Can anybody see this and what's taking place in our country? Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, <clears throat> having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. That is our present circumstance. But the good news is this, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Grace has been given to us that enables us 
to overcome. Read the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. To him that overcomes, I will give. Amen. Oh, brother Andy, that sounds like hard work. No, it didn't. It's grace. How do we overcome? We believe in Jesus Christ. How do we overcome? We hold fast our confession of faith in him. When this world cries out, deny him, we say no. Amen. Because that world shouts the, the song of Job's wife. Why don't you just curse him and die? I will not curse him. I will not. Because my present situation is no reflection on him. Amen. He's holy. If, if things are going good or if nothing's going good. He's holy if I got sores or if I don't have sores. He's holy if I have diabetes or I don't have diabetes. Praise God. He's holy irrespective, irregardless of my situation. He's worthy to be praised. And my praise to him is not based on my current condition. I don't, whoo, I don't praise him because I feel good. I don't praise him because everything's going right. I praise him because of who he is. I praise him because he is the only begotten son of almighty God. I praise him because he died on that cross. He shed his blood that my sins might be washed away. I praise him because he has given me a future and a hope. I praise him because he has made a way for me to enter into an eternal kingdom without end. I praise him because one glad day I will hear that trumpet sound and I will be caught up together with the saints of God and so I shall ever be with the Lord. My circumstance here is temporary. It's temporal. But that which he has bought and died and purchased for me is eternal. Therefore, I bless his holy and righteous name because he is worthy to be praised. Amen. That's just how it is. And the world don't get it. You don't love all this stuff that we love. I don't want that junk. It's death. It's decay. It's destruction. There's no life in it. There's life in him. I tell you, folks, it's been on me ever since Tuesday. That little girl turned around, and something had happened to her between the time she told me we don't go to church and the time she got off that carousel. And I know a couple of you are wondering, what in the world is he talking about? Get the message here at this morning. But I haven't gotten over that yet. Praise God. Something happened. That little girl's going to heaven. So is her brother. Not because of Andy Hutchins, but because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. And when he's the voice of the shepherd, when he spoke to me and said, I have set in motion events that will result in their salvation, I believed it. And I still do. That's the God we serve, folks. Amen. That's what the world can't understand. Well, why, why don't you value all the things that we value? Because there's no value in it. It's vanity. Solomon knew it. Man, so you read the book of Ecclesiastes. Some people, oh, well, Ecclesiastes is depressing. Read the whole book. It's good at the end. It just tells the truth the rest of the time. That old boy had it all. He was king of Israel, son of David, King David. He had all the money. He had all the political power. He had all the prestige. He had too many wives and too many concubines. 
I'll just let it go at that. He tried everything he could, and, and the Lord revealed to him that it was all nothing. And when it come down to the end, he said, the only thing that matters is serving God. And you know what? He was right. The only thing that matters is serving God. People in that world, they reach, they, you know, make all manner of sacrifice in order to attain a place that they have been told will satisfy their soul, and it's a lie. They attain it. They get there. They get the money. They get the power. They get the prestige. They get all this stuff that the world offers, and when they attain it, they look at it and say it's nothing. I am still empty. But those who come to Jesus, even the most beggarly among us, those who have absolutely nothing that come to Jesus and receive him, live a life that is fulfilled, that is satisfying, a life that is worth living. We're going to end on this, Revelation 14 and 9. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast, the Antichrist, and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, and, beloved, that's come. technology already exists to accomplish this, by the way. He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. You do not want to occupy that space. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lord, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God. Listen, and the faith of Jesus. Well, Brother Andy, what's the conclusion of the whole matter? How do I deal with with the spirit of Antichrist that is at work in the world. Believe in Jesus. I'm going to get that fly. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Not in Andy. Believe in him. Believe on him. Invest yourself totally. In Jesus Christ, all that you are, all that you have, all that you will ever be, Lord, is yours. I put myself in your hands. Your will, not my will, be done. And you will live a life. Will there be challenges? Yeah, buddy. Disappointment, heartache, sorry, part of it. But when everything is said and done, this fly is going to the lake of fire. What is with this fly? It's that hairspray. Might get some brother Dan, brother Dan's hairspray. He ain't got no flies on him. Just cutting up with him. Get some brother Greg's, but he don't use too much. But uh, I should have had a rim shot on that. But now nobody the drums. Believe in Jesus. Just believe in Him. Confess Him. Our confession of Christ is our greatest defense against the enemy. Amen. I believe he was virgin born. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe when he died on that cross and shed his blood, it satisfied the righteous judgment of a holy God against the sin of man. I believe that blood can wash away sin. I believe on the morning of the third day they went to that grave and he was gone. 
gone. Hallelujah. Bodily resurrected. They looked in and saw the strips of cloth had just compressed. And he was seen by many. I believe on the Mount of Olives he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he was glorified. I believe on the day of Pentecost he fulfilled the promise and he sent the Holy Ghost to inhabit the church. And we possess within these mortal bodies, you hear me, folks, the evidence, the supernatural evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and that's why the world hates us. Because not only do we proclaim this gospel, we possess that which proves this gospel. Woo! And I ain't even done. He's coming back. In a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And it shall all be joy forever and ever. Between now and then, we contend. And we shouldn't make this personal. There is no justification for us to hate people. Because we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. We battle against the spirit of Antichrist. But greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he. See, this whole thing about baptism and holy, you know, as much emphasis we put on the initial evidence of speaking in tongues and, and the way we respond and what we have in red-hot altar services that I love more than life. I love them. But there's a greater purpose in mind. So we go out in that world. We are his representatives. We are empowered. And praise his name, we are fearless. What can you do with someone who no longer fears death? Can't defeat them. What you going to do, kill them? They ain't afraid of dying. Why? Because they've confessed Christ. They believe in the resurrection. They believe in the word of God. Be absent from the bodies. Be present with the Lord. What you going to do with somebody that has that hope? Amen. What you going to do with people who, who look death in the face and say, lay not this sin to their charge? What you going to do with Stephen? Can't do nothing with him. You can stone him. But Jesus is standing in heaven waiting for him. Praise God. Ain't waiting for this fly. If this fly don't get away from me, I'm going to send it somewhere. Wherever flies go when they... We are to do the work while there is not daytime and we can do it. The night is coming when no man can work. And after this morning's message, I pray that the Lord would grant us grace to take advantage of every divine appointment that he creates for us. You never know when the day begins what the Lord desires to accomplish in you before the sun goes down. Stand with me all over the house. He's through with me.